millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Do you see Trump um, talked about Parasite winning um, Best Picture? In a good way or in a bad way? In a very bad way. Oh, 100%. And he's like, oh, Best Picture, got, he's like talking about how bad were the Academy Awards this year. Oh, Best Picture went to South Korea. <laughs> it's it's so great, isn't it? Because it's it's like when, when the guy you hate in your class says something so fucking stupid and you're just like, you fucking piece of shit. Of course you'd think that. <laughs> You know, like, of course, Trump doesn't like Parasite. Ben Shapiro didn't like Parasite either. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Trump's more of a North Korean fan. That's true. He's probably more of a fan of North Korean cinema, who also made a film called Parasite, but they are the Parasite in it. Mm. There you go. (laughs) That's my biting political commentary to to open the episode (laughs) with. All right, well, well, sorry to get political right at the top of the podcast, but... Um, I don't mean to get political, but what the fuck are birds? <laughs> uh, okay, well, so, I mean, it's it's all, it's all kind of fitting in that we're doing uh, the Oscars of the 2010s, uh, and the 2010s may be the most political decade in history. <laughs> There's certainly, it certainly had politics in it, and yeah. I think... I think as well, it's cool that while everyone at the end of 2019 was doing their, like, what's the best film of the decades list, we're like, nah, nah, bitch, the decade's not over yet. We're going to wait till February to do do this this idea. Um, Um, And here we are. Yeah, but as we all know, the decade is over. The 2010s have come to an end. It's now 2020. It's the start of a new decade known as the 2020s. Um, So, for... This is what we're going to do here is mm-hmm. we're awarding uh, we've, we've essentially we've created a list of nominees, which we uh, isn't just, you know, the three of us came up with. We outsourced and got the kind of biggest group of people to that we could to come together and create uh, a list of nominees, which we then or like a short list, essentially, which was then whittled down. Uh, and then those same people voted on those nominees uh to choose winners and so this is kind of like the way we're going to do this is these awards uh given out to uh individual accomplishments um and whatnot but as we go through the podcast we'll talk about so you know someone might not be the best and might not have had the single best performance of the decade but, you know, we can talk about who the actual best actor of the decade was looking at their entire body of work. So there's kind of like two different things that we'll be talking about throughout this podcast. Yeah. So don't be like, oh, you know, they don't deserve it because 
they did four films that were great. It's like, yeah, but this person did one film that was the best, you know? According to these these votes as well. And these are votes from um, people whose opinions we trust um, and from what what we tried to make a wide variety of different people types here in, um, <laughs> in, in, in our sort of mainly white male bubbles that we try to break out of as much as we oh, can. Oh, don't play. So we, we have a, a diverse... Our, our academy was more diverse than the actual academy percentage wise you're probably right um and if you've just started listening everybody and you've never heard the show before welcome to the cold pops podcast specifically the cold pops oscar season as we run down as we close what's what am i winding down for the year my name is aj and you're richard and that's yeah. aaron hello just yeah. thought i'd, I'd we, we yeah. jumped right into no, a con- a conversation yeah because because they're <laughs> biting political satire at the start mm. um yeah ev- everyone who doesn't know us already has switched off after hearing what i put my <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. so we didn't do every single um oscar category um we we left off a few of the the shorts and um the documentaries i mean well, i guess we could have done documentary but we didn't and that's fine we didn't do sound either quite controversially uh or vfx or special is it actually controversial that we didn't do sound have you had what no, I don't think anyone's going to get <laughs> upset, but if this we're a more popular podcast, <laughs> the phone lines are ringing off the hook. <laughs> and the audio quality on those phone calls is incredible. Oh, mate. I, I, we, we don't know the results. Is that correct? Or do you know the results? Uh, I have them open in front of me, but I haven't looked at all of them yet. There you go. So th- we will find out as we go through it who's, who's won. Mm. Um, it's worth so d- mentioning, just, just at a glance, there's a lot of ties or like second place will have like six things that all have the same amount kind of thing right so for the the awards we are going to be giving out for the os the official cult pop oscars of the 2010s are best adapted screenplay best original screenplay best original song best score best cinematography best film editing best animated feature best supporting actress best supporting actor uh, best actress, best actor, best director, and best picture, and the nominees are all, um, as Richard said, they we we got our outside opinion to make sure we weren't missing things, but it is we do want it. We did want to emphasize uh, staying power, and you know, films that have stayed in the public consciousness. So you don't it's essentially like if the Oscars were to actually do this, the kind of things yeah. they would pick. Yeah, so like I, I loved my, my in 2019 and 2018, my favorite films of the, each of those years were Sorry to Bother You and Knives Out. And I think Knives Out is nominated for screenplay, but nothing else. But the, the point being is like, I'm able to accept that my favorite did, does not necessarily mean it is the most iconic film of the decade. And if I can accept that, so can you listeners. That's not to say you shouldn't tell us ones we missed out on. Yeah, um, and I mean... Yeah, if we were doing, uh, yeah, the, the 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 thing to remember is this is uh, the Oscars of the 2010s, not the best films or the best in each of these categories. Mm. I don't know. It's a weird thing. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get a start on uh, with best adapted screenplay. So um, do we want to talk about like our shortlist and then our eventual nominees? Um, I don't have the shortlist in front of me, but do we? I feel like we should just say the nominees. Okay, let's go to the nominees. The short because if we announce the shortlist and then someone's favorite pick wasn't even on that, oh, <laughs> then mm. it hurts even more, you know. So yeah, let's let's just stick to the nominees and okay. maybe mention certain shortlist 
um, nominees if it if comes up. If they feel like big snubs, yeah. All right. Um, okay, do you want to tell us what the nominees were? All right, so the nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay of the 2010s, which um, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but Adapted also includes sequels and remakes and based on real life things i don't yeah it's it's a weird category but here although we go. actually if it's based on because it can be an original screenplay if it's based on real life but there hasn't been a previous thing written about it like right. 1917 was original okay even though it's adapted from okay oh and also we every every award has five to ten nominations but we yep. didn't want to leave anything out just for the sake of conforming to some arbitrary number. So the best adapted screenplay nominees for the 2010s are The Social Network. Do you have who's written everything in front of you that you can follow up with? Oh, by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Little Woman. Uh, which is Greta Gerwig. Jojo Rabbit. Taika Waititi. Logan. Uh, written by um, Scott Frank, James Mangold, and Michael Green. And Arrival. Uh, which is written by <laughs> uh, Eric uh, Hissera. There we go. So, what do you guys <laughs> What do you guys think is going to win? The Social Network, Little Woman, Jojo Rabbit, Logan, or Arrival? Well, I know the answer, so I'll, I'll abstain. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, what do you think? Um, well, I picked, <laughs> I picked a movie I have not seen because, uh, from what I've heard is a fantastic, uh, adaptation. So I picked Little Women, but I mm-hmm. think it will probably be the social network just because of like, you know, the way in which Aaron Sorkin's writing is viewed and also because mm. he's a fellow Aaron. So like, obviously, <laughs> obviously he gonna win. Yeah. I, I would tend to lean towards the social network too, and I'm pretty sure I voted for the social network purely because um, that is, that's that the, the, the big dick energy that that film has. And it came out in 2010, so right at the start of the decade and is still vying for the title of best film of the decade. And also the fact that it's written so intelligently and because it uh, It's has, written by an Aaron. And yeah. it's written by an Aaron. And also because it was about a subject which was which is more relevant now than it was at the time of release and it feels eerily um precognitive because of mm. that you know F- facebook only got crazier after the social network came out yeah i do wonder if there's a film this year that's gonna have the same kind of staying power for this decade yeah but there can only be one winner and this one's actually oh quite God. close um so in third place we have, we're doing places well the oscars well. don't do places okay yeah, this yep. isn't the oscars this is the cop option podcast uh, <laughs> in third place we have jojo rabbit uh-huh. okay in second place we have little women of course oh. and then in first place we've got the social network yeah come on aaron Sorkin. aaron do you want to accept it on behalf of aaron Sorkin? thank you thank you i'm very honored um after having written such classics as uh, what did he start off writing? <laughs> like West, West Wing? The West Wing, that's what I'm thinking of. West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to other projects in my life. Uh, uh, I should have really researched Sharon Sorkin before uh, stepping you up to You should have researched before, every before nominee. that name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, sorry, Mum, Dad, all... I know I've just been born, but I need the rundown on every Aaron <laughs> before I can accept his name. What do you think, Richard? What do you think of the Social Network winning this award? Uh, 
but back at 100 percent. like it's timely and it's managed to stay relevant and it's like you know the there's the argument that aaron sorkin scripts are um you, you know set in like a heightened reality where everyone is super intelligent and thinks of like the exact right thing to say at, at every point which is every time one of his film comes out one of his films come out uh someone will inevitably criticize that but it's like at the same time he's so good at it that like it's forgivable and mm. you just accept that like yeah all these characters are witty and clever and yeah 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 and i think i think just this script itself is like a specimen as well like there's such a science to the writing and and it's it's very captivating there's a lot of Mm. i think there's a really good lessons from the screenplay video on the social network script that everyone should check out is that that's the scene where he's in a bar and he's like talking to uh breaking up with yeah yeah she's breaking yeah yeah his ex-girlfriend it's the opening scene of the film yeah good stuff good stuff okay so now on to best original screenplay aj do you want to go through that all right so best original screenplay which is a screenplay based on nothing um (laughs) we have in the nominees her Written by Spike Jones. Get Out, written by Jordan Peele. Knives Out, written by <laughs> Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Eighth Grade, written by Bo Burnham. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, written by Martin McDonough. Lady Bird, written by Greta Gerwig. Inception, written by uh, Christopher Nolan. And Parasite, written by Bong Joon Ho and Han Jin Won. Was Inception only written by Christopher Nolan? Yeah, I'm just finding that out now. That's really interesting. <laughs> I always <laughs> thought it was um, his brother was on there as well. Yeah, Jonathan Nolan. But they're okay, according to... um, oh, Let me just double check that's not a story by credit. So there are eight nominations for this category. Uh, and I think eight examples of... The, certainly... I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite <laughs> proud of, of how we've whittled down these lists. I think we've we've done a good selection here. Um, I was talking to you, to you guys before pod um, yesterday about how shocked I was that Inception was nominated it was actually nominated the actual oscars for best original screenplay and i like the film but i i think the screenplay is a bit rough in places but you guys you and rowan richard you you really kind of talked it up and it kind of ended up selling it to me and i was like you know what it is an inventive concept and what is a screenplay if not a concept mm. Yeah, I don't think I think you're um, overstating my involvement in that conversation. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, it's, it's there. Yeah, I was I was present. Um, but that that being said, I think the winner is going to be uh, Get Out. I think that's the best screenplay, Aaron, Aaron, what's your original pick? screenplay of the 2010s. Yeah, that was my pick as well, actually. Um, yeah, it's interesting because it's it elevates um, like a shitty B movie plot to a serious oscar contender mm. and then and, and also um ladybird i think is a similar thing not not like a just not that it's a shitty b movie kind of thing <laughs> but it's that it's like this ladybird could have been a netflix original yeah. and no one would bat an eye but because of greta gerwig's direction and her script yeah it like elevates it um, absolutely i th- I think the standouts specifically and the ones there's three on this list um knives out lady bird and eighth grade i feel are the three most encapsulating original screenplays of the decade like i mm. feel like they're not necessarily well they are what the decade has been about as well like socially and politically uh but they also have represented a new kind of voice that we've never really seen um and on such a scale before yeah, i think yeah. 
Um, Whereas but, the others are, are probably more traditional, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, a lot of people mentioned as, to us as well when we sort of sent out the list and asked people for people's um, input that uh, a lot of people were like talking about how it's a lot more skewed recently kind of thing. But AJ, you sort of thought that that was kind of like... Given, I would say right? I would say if you are judging a decade of film based on how pertinent to it to the decade it is, which is sort of what we're doing, uh, it doesn't really surprise me that most of the the biggest and bestest ones would be in the second half of the decade because that's when people know what the decade is. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. And to yeah. be fair, the early part of the decade, there were some pretty terrible films nominated for Oscars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that makes sense that um it would be skewed to the to the later half of the decade. And uh, you know you might you might just be like oh it's just recency bias, which is possible as well. But I don't know. I think that that something especially something like Get Out is like this is something that can only come out in winter uh, twenty seventeen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I think yeah. When it came out as well, people were like pretty aware of it being like an inc- like incredibly of its time, and like kind of yeah, it kind of represented yeah. I guess that in Moonlight the kind of the like new wave of African American cinema, um, kind of de- yeah. reaching its adolescence or its uh, yeah. its yeah yeah whatever comes after adolescence adulthood <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah maturity, yeah, yeah. maturity. Yeah. and and i think that's what best screenplays get judged for or at least that elevates them to a level where they often win is you know that that measure so that's that's my prediction um is get out will win sweet um we've actually we've just gotten a, a, another response so i've just turned off responses um <laughs> but um so it hasn't changed the previous award, but I just saw okay. some per, some um, percentages shift, but it hasn't affected the winner in the in these two categories. So third place equal is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri by Martin McDonough mm-hmm. and Parasite mm-hmm. by Bong Joon-ho and Han Chung Wong. Yeah, and then yeah. in first place tied, because that's how you do placings when there's a tie. Right. There's no second place when you're too tight for first place. And a decade ends in the nine, not the ten. <laughs> uh, it's a tie for first place between two yep. films without in the title. Knives oh. Out and Get Out. Hell yeah. yeah. Cool. So the Oscar goes for the first time in Oscar's history. It's going to two films. <laughs> it's, it's actually not the first time in Oscar history that that's happened. Oh, is it not? No, it's Has happened it a few been... times. Most recently, um, Skyfall and Zero Dark Thirty tied for best sound mixing. What did that? Did that happen in the ceremony? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that, it's a tie. You both get Oscars. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's 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 happened half a dozen times, but that's the most recent. Wow, I feel like I've never seen that like mm. happen live. Mm. And I would mm. watch the Oscars a few times in my <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, I think it was sound editing, not sound mixing. Fuck off. <laughs> um, Just off the top of your head. Yeah, actually, yeah. it was um, sound editing, not sound mixing. Um, what you what you didn't hear, listeners, was the the two minute gap in between <laughs> when Richard said that and now when he quickly looked it up. And yeah, anyway. well, you know, I want to give the due respect to the soundies. It's who are who we aren't respecting in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> excluded from this podcast. <laughs> Um, nice. Um, 
cool. Well, I'm happy with that. I love Knives Out a lot, and I love Get Out a lot. It's the year of the decade for outs. Um, I think Get Out is one of those like this is totally emblematic of the decade. Mm. It's great to have like this fresh African American voice in that can like take a genre film and really elevate it. And I think Knives Out is a bit of recency bias. Being perfectly honest. <laughs> Probably. I didn't vote for it, so I feel I can. <laughs> um, well, it's your bloody, um, your propaganda video you made about it being the most pertinent <laughs> film of the decade. People are like, wow, it, it I is, know this is the is. one AJ wants me to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best original song is up next. Um, Aaron, do you have, do you want to read out the nominees? Uh, can I see the nominees from here? Um. All right. For best original song, we've got Shallow from A Star Is Born, Skyfall from Skyfall, Happy from Despicable Me, Let It Go from Frozen, Remember Me from Coco, Visions of Gideon from Call Me By Your Name, All the Stars from Black Panther, oh my god is there more? Yeah, the yellow is cool, (laughs) everything is awesome from the Lego movie and How Far I'll Go from Moana. Now... I am not much of a, I'm I'm I don't consider myself a, a bit of a you know a music guy. I, I enjoy the odd song from time to time, but I'm certainly <laughs> not not an expert on music. Uh, but looking at the, this list, I would say most of them feel like they fucking stuck in the zeitgeist and deserve to be on this list. I would say the only ones that I personally didn't hear a lot uh, would be. Um, Visions of Gideon and All the Stars, I didn't hear as much as the others. Really? What? <laughs> what the fuck? Yep. Are you joking? Yep. Um, no. I'd say, yeah, All the Stars was like a huge Mega crossover. Hit. Hit. Like, people people could quite easily not realize it was written for the, for the movie. Um, Do I you know, say, I, d- I don't remember how it goes. I don't remember how All the Stars goes. It's so good, man. <laughs> You'd hear it and be like, hear it, oh, yeah, oh, the yeah, song fuck I didn't realize that was from Black Panther. Yeah. That's what you'd say. <laughs> and you'd be like, fuck, I'm an idiot. That's what you hear. Um, <laughs> you would. You would um, but that. I would say, like, uh, Remember Me from Coco. I'm sure you didn't hear a lot of radio play for that song. AJ. No, I'm that's sure you don't tool. really <laughs> remember me. Do you know that when I, when I listed off the ones that didn't stick with me, um, I would have included Remember Me, but I actually forgot it, which is. Uh, just how much it didn't um, stick with me. But yeah, I would say, and Visions of Gideon from Call Me By Your Name, um, those are the two songs that it's like their um, their place in the film and their inclusion of the film is so like poignant. And especially in the case of Remember, uh, Coco with Remember, Remember Me, um, the entire film revolves around that song. We spoke about this on the podcast at the time. Mm. Um, that... You, you can't have one without the other, and you can't take one away from the other and have it stand on its own. But your shallows, your happies, your let it goes, they all got so much radio play that they... I love yeah. that happy and everything is awesome made it on here purely because of how much it would be like unrealistic for us to not include them and not necessarily how good the, the songs themselves are. Uh, I think happy 100% deserves to be there. I really, I don't. I, I, I like everything is awesome yeah. a lot more than happy. I don't like. I don't. I, happy was overplayed for me. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like you're sick of happy because of how good it was and how that, often it got played. We're saying we're saying the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm saying so, that, that that's why it deserves to be there because I know I'm not saying it doesn't deserve to be there. I'm saying it's funny that it's there and amongst things like shallow, which I enjoy. Uh, yeah, I like but, that didn't whereas, get overplayed. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'm just saying I'm not sick of it. God, man, I'm just trying to. 
I'm just trying to banter someone else talk for a bit. What do you guys think of these nominations? Uh, I think they're great. I, I don't know what the fuck AJ's on about. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all great. Why, 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 you're always bad-mouthing best original song the category. I am. That's true. It's because he doesn't listen to music. He, he enjoys a song from time to time. Yeah. Um, anyway, should we, should we go over what? the winners? What did what did what did you guys vote for? I voted for Visions of Gideon. Yeah, Visions of Gideon is probably my favorite song. Oh, there. It's so good. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I think there's a, a strong argument to be made that it should go to Let It Go. Yeah, um, it's because probably the everyone's most iconic. so sick of it. But fuck, it's a good song. And also, like, children grew up with that song, man. Yeah. Like, mm. it will be in the canon for. Yeah, many years to yeah, come. Yeah, like this is a, a, yeah a whole new world and like um Hakuna Matata, S- Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata. like this is gonna st- in thirty years time we'll still be talking about Let It Go. Yeah, we'll however, still, it'll still be busted out at like karaoke nights. Yeah. That being said, I actually voted for How Far I'll Go, which despite not achieving the same level of iconic as Let It Go, I think is way closer to those other Disney songs you mentioned. Like, musically, I think sounds way more mm. like classic Disney. I, I actually don't like Let It Go that much because it didn't sound like a Disney song to me. It sounded like a pop song that was, like, shoved into a Disney movie. Um, I don't know. I, I, I had a conversation with a musician friend of mine about this recently and did not retain any of the information, but he did agree with me. And that's the closest we have on this podcast to an, a musical expert opinion. Um, what's interesting, because <laughs> I actually don't really like how far I'll go that much, but I love Let It Go. Wow. Um, both films I only watched for the first time last year um, and saw you know their actual purpose wow. in the film. Um, but... Enough about what we think. Let's see what the public <laughs> and how many how many people are in our academy. All up. Uh, I don't want to spoil that for the listeners. <laughs> okay, it's so... it's over. It's over. It's a it's a good handful of people. It's not like it was yeah. like three people. Yeah. So this is probably the biggest. It was um... four people. No, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, it's us three. We got one woman. Um... <laughs> four people in your hands. More um... So this one, yeah, has the um, the biggest spread of votes. This one this seemed to be the most contentious. Um, so uh, for third place, it's a four-way tie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> between um, all the stars from Black Panther. Mm. Take that, AJ. Mm-hmm. Um, for third <laughs> place. Four-way tie. Oh, um, yeah. How many? Shallow <laughs> take, from Star Take that, AJ, as a fit at all. Shallow from A Star Is Born. Skyfall from Skyfall, um, and Visions of Gideon from Call Me By Your Name. Oh, and then tied for first place oh. is uh, How Far I'll Go from Moana. So take that, Richard and Aaron. Oh. Um, and re- Remember Me from Coco. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Remember Whoa. Me made it that far. Wow. Very yeah. interesting. So if Oscars tie all the time, does that mean there can be a tie for Best Picture? Uh, the way Best Pictures um, tallied, you can't. Okay. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Oscars tie all the time. It's happened like six times <laughs> in ninety two years. If oh, Oscars literally tie with every second award, does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah, because the as far as I'm aware, the um, categories are just like whoever has the most votes. But um, the runoff voting in for Best Picture ensures that that can't happen. Right, um, because it's they they vote again when if their film. Uh, well, so you you rank them from one to however however many there are, um, then they tally up all the people that voted number one, 
um like what which film has the most people voting at number one if the if a film has 51 percent of the votes or over 50 percent of the votes from that that wins if not they look at all the people that um put number nine as their number one they take their number twos as number one and then add them up again if a film then has over and so eventually they just keep eliminating the bottom film and all the people that ranked that as number one take their number two until one film has over 50 percent of the votes for number one i'm genuinely shocked that it was a tie between those two songs that enough yeah, people same. have that eclectic take because i i was honestly i thought it would go to shallow let it go or maybe skyfall like those seem to be the ones that project the image of the 2010s in my head the most um but i feel like even though i voted for it how far far i'll go and remember me are too it's very... not even that good <laughs> and it, no it's my favorite but i don't think it's i didn't think it was the most iconic yeah, well, out of the get bunch. in the comments um <laughs> yeah i i think um I was yeah, I was a, honestly few... expecting you to say, and there's only one person who voted for how far I'll go, and I guess it was AJ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying a lot of pe- a significant <laughs> number of people voted for it. I'm just saying that it's tied for first place. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's the one that I feel like most of our like the the ones I read out that are either tied for first or third, any of those could have won feasibly mm. visions of gideon is, is more of a this is my personal one than i rather than i think yeah, it has yeah. the staying power of the wrestling because it wasn't even the film nominate the song nominated for the film yeah when um, you think about it though yep. i feel like uh the adele song skyfall should kind of sit quite highly and like most iconic of the decade because it's also like the decade of adele where she like became super famous mm. and then quit music you know, mm. in the like 2010s, basically. Well, I yeah. think 2009 her first album came out, but yeah, yeah, that's that conversation we were having at the start. That it's like the this Trump is the specific didn't like song. Parasite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is the best the best song of the decade, but not necessarily the artist who best represents the decade. Yeah, mm. and also like the the three Bond films we got this well not really because one of them came in the next decade and it hasn't actually come out yet but that skyfall did so well that they essentially just gave it to sam smith and billy eilish and just said just do this again yeah all right save it for film franchise for <laughs> a few weeks come on um, okay so uh now our next one is best score so again we're not really music people so it's, <laughs> um but trying to go off, you know, understanding that what the general consensus is amongst filmy, uh, you know, things that I've people. read and things I've heard people say, yeah, and also our own little academy, which we made sure to select musical people to vote in, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, although, AJ, what I've just realized something that you so you put, um let's read out the nominees one of okay. which was added by you um and got like an automatic buy into the um into the nomination from our shortlist um so our nominees are the social network dunkirk arrival blade runner 2049 inception the hateful eight first man black panther and 2009's up um, oh shit <laughs> um so, so i tell you up, what though up. 
no one voted for up so um <laughs> well that god that's so embarrassing that um yeah that for, to, for the for the record i that was one that was suggested to me by another academy member and i didn't even think about the year it came out and i just thought yeah that's a that's a a, a score i remember um <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh! Like the little right. "Please Stand By" thing pops up with like, the, <laughs> with like the, a, the, um, an elevated the, music version of um, Spanish Flea, <laughs> and the, the, a cat has pulled the plug out of. No, it's a, it's an elevated music version of like the Up theme, theme music. Yeah, yeah why do you sad me, dude? Which um, um, would sound like AJ. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, um, so um, yeah, best score. I I personally. I think the up should be disqualified because it didn't come out in the 2010s. This, uh, dude, this isn't even as bad as when, when La La Land accidentally won over Moonlight. Like, this is less of a blooper than what's happened at the end. Well, because Oscars. for one, no one gives a shit about the Cult Popsha podcast. Compared <laughs> <laughs> to the fucking Oscars. And for two, it's like a category that's like... It's not the top category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, you didn't say who composed all these... Um, Songs, okay, which the, I feel that's uh, the social impo- network that's was Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Uh, Dunkirk was Hans Zimmer. Arrival was Johan Johansson. Blade Runner twenty forty nine was, I believe, Hans Zimmer. I think so. Benjamin Wolfish and Hans Zimmer. Um, okay. Inception was Hans Zimmer. Hateful Eight was Ennio Morricone. First Man was Max Richter, I believe. Um, <laughs> just desperately old, trying old Max. to um, remember all of. Uh, uh, Justin Hurwitz, it says. Um, Who's Max Richter then? Uh, Max Richter did. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff. Um, Black Panther was uh, Ludwig Goranson. Yeah, Ludwig Goranson. Um, and up, I don't give a shit who fucking composed because it because it wasn't in the fucking twenty teens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do we think? Uh, I think that. My favorite, my favorite is the social network. I think the most iconic is Inception, but I voted for the social network. Yeah. But if we were giving it to composer of the decade, it's Zimmer. Of course it is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Zim's hands down. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> Arms down. Arms. Um, yeah, because um, yeah, it's one of those things that. Um, Although I would also make an argument that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross could give yeah, them a run for their easily. money in yep. the decade because the Social Network was their first film score, as far as I know, ah. and then they have you know dominated this this decade. Like it, it's um, when Watchmen was announced, that was one of the things that excited me the most about it was that like they were doing the score for this TV show, and then and now they're doing um, the score for David Fincher's next film, Mank, and they're using period accurate um instruments so they 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 usually heavily rely on synths and stuff so mm. it'll be really interesting to see what they do when they're and limited they're to also doing 1930s they're also doing pixar's soul as well that's right yeah so i think that out of these though like ones like dunkirk arrival maybe just mainly those two those two are memorable to me because they're different and kind of interesting like they mm. like because a, a score's got to be pretty memorable for it to to stay in your mind you know because mm. scores are kind of designed to be you know almost mm. subconscious at least it's like a, a particular theme like um um 
you know harry potter star wars yeah, those yeah. kind of things yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, although also another one that that did um a lot of good work this week decade is um Junkie XL who did mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road, um oh, yep. Batman v Superman, um drastically different films in terms of quality, <laughs> but the scores are both great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. All right, Aaron, what are you picking to win this? Uh I picked Dunkirk, um, mm. which might have been a bit of a surprise, but I think it's quite iconic in terms of like uh. Reinv- uh, yeah kind of reinventing the score for like a um a war movie like it seems quite uh, with the the ticking clock kind yeah, of yeah it seems kind of intuitive in now that we like think about mm, it but and especially that 1917 did it as well yeah exactly <laughs> you know but now that it's been yeah it seems intuitive like when he did it, it was like oh of course a ticking clock it yeah, makes yeah. sense because it's like you know mm. you're building down to this thing but yeah yeah no one thought to do it before that yeah and also like inception as well is a lot more than just the yeah that it's um it, it uses that um edith pf song that slowed down because you mm. know they, they, they use that as to wake them up and things like that yeah. and so at each level of the dream the kind of part of that song is used slowed down to create the score for each of the levels so there's a lot of really clever stuff done in it i should also mention that i forgot to add uh interstellar was a late addition to this category as well um because people suggested it. i disagree with it i think it's a terrible score yeah. um well there was sort who, of the thing about dunkirk as well is that like people began to so like heavily kind of um basically do exactly the same as interstellar that mm. he was like we gotta push off in a new direction man like we gotta find <laughs> something new mm. yeah that's when you know it's good is when the because did hans zimmer do interstellar as well yeah he did yeah. yeah yeah so when you you along with inception and interstellar you kind of um pioneer a certain genre of score and then do something completely different for dunkirk that's that's bossin you know what i mean like mm. that's that's how you know you're 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 the best composer of the decade yeah interstellar is also there hans <laughs> um but as for the winners um okay so tied for second place we've got arrival and black panther ah. and then with 50 percent of the votes whoa and, and a landslide victory whoa <laughs> um the social network Huh? Wow! So Inception didn't even yeah. didn't even place. So I, I will say though that um, interestingly, so you've got with fifty percent, you've got the social network, and then you've got the other two tied at around fifteen percent, and then you've got three that are tied for fourth place, and that's Dunkirk, Inception, and Interstellar. So it could be that they it split the vote. You know, people mm. trying to choose their favorite Zimmer one, which is maybe you know why you would take out something like interstellar (laughs) Um, (laughs) pushing this take out interstellar (laughs) but i think that that is actually really interesting and really kind of telling that the the zimmer vote seems to have been split because i think Mm. if this was if we'd put down best composer of the decade uh trent Reznor and atticus ross hans zimmer um ludwig Göransson, johan johansson um who are the people that that ended up winning um Hans Zimmer would have would have won, not it, if nothing else, because he's the most household namey of that lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but hey, how good is that social network score, baby? Oh, it's so great. good, so yeah. good. Bong, 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 bong. 
<laughs> so we should, um re-record the score to that film and get it done. <laughs> um okay up next best cinematography so this is the art of capturing the pictures <laughs> do you have the names of the cinematographers in front of you uh i yep yep Cool. So the nominees for Best Cinematography are Blade Runner 2049. Roger Deakins. The Revenant. Which was um, Emmanuel Lebeski. And he also did Birdman, is that correct? Who's who's also nominated. Um, Star Wars The Last Jedi. You motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yo, I've got them in front of me. <laughs> uh, Steve Yedlin. Yeah, Yedlin. 1917. Which is Roger Deakins. And Dunkirk. Dunkirk was Hoyt Van Hoytmer. Yes, he was. What's with all these repeating first name, last name, and the cinematographer and composer? <laughs> well, there's two, but that's still kind of significant. Yeah. And one of them passed away, so can you um, have a little respect? Wait, it wasn't wow. Hoyt, was it? No. Nah. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank oh, God, God he died. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, these are some fucking good looking films. Uh, yeah, and so interestingly, um, Emmanuel Lubisky um, won like a hat trick of Oscars because um, he won it for Gravity and then the following year won for Birdman and then the following year won for The Revenant. Was Gravity not. Um, was Alfonso Cuaron not the cinematography for no, gravity no, no. Ah. directed it well, there you go yeah he doesn't she doesn't shoot us oh no he, yeah he because he shot roma yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this is a stacked category man these are these are such good looking films um i think yeah it's like us three boys eh? yeah 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 <laughs> stacked um I, <laughs> the revenant the revenant I, the film is is all right but how it looks the Revenant might be the best looking film I've ever seen. Like when I first saw The Revenant, I was like, "This is as good as you can get." Like I, mm. I don't know if cinematography can get better than this. When I first saw The Revenant, I was like, "This is real long," <laughs> but and then, but damn, it looks good. <laughs> and um, and uh, the like the parking for three and a half hours cost more than the price of two tickets to the film and <laughs> tickets are movie tickets are fucking expensive Holy but shit. also parking in newmarket is real fucking expensive what? i was gonna say where do you park man <laughs> um so i don't have i don't have great memories with this film to be fair before i went and saw the revenant the only thing i really knew about it was one that um leonardo DiCaprio gets inside a horse he gets inside a horse is that right yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's yes. a horse and a bear gets inside him. If you the <laughs> yeah. rumors. He has his fingers inside him. Um, and his teeth. No, and also that they shot it entirely in like golden hour, which yeah. was like, yeah, the time before. Oh, it, it would have been hell to film this by the sounds of it. It sucked. Like, yeah, yeah it, it, it does very much just look like, it's it's just everyone trying real hard yeah. to get Oscars. Yeah. And it worked <laughs> yeah, for yeah, Leo. Cinematography's like that, though. It's one of the only categories where it's like you genuinely do get rewarded if you're trying to win an Oscar, right? Because, yeah. like, with acting, people call you out for it, you know? Like, oh, just Oscar Beatty kind of shit. But, like, what's Oscar Beatty cinematography? Oscar Beatty cinematography looks great and wins Oscars. One shot. Is, one shot, I would say, is the, like, mm. is the cool new... And now I've watched this two of the, them on here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. We fell for it. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so let's go over the winners. So this one, um, no ties here. Um, oh, there's a tie for fourth place, but who gives a shit about fourth? Who gives um, a shit about fourth place? So, um, in third place, The Revenant. Oh, my heart. <laughs> in second place, Birdman. Birdman? Oh, and so then, with 50% of the votes. Oh my god. Blade Runner 2049, Roger Deakins. I'm, I'm not even mad. Beautiful film. I'm in love. I want to I want to get frames from that film tattooed put, on my nuts. Put them dude. on my butt. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I remember vividly last year, the year before, when we talked yeah. about it on the Oscar podcast, he was like, yeah, I want to get frames of this. And he's still talking about it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I said I want to get them tattooed on my nuts now. So I've, I've graduated. <laughs> um, Which shot? Uh, you know the fucking shot. The one with the giant... <laughs> Anna de Armas pointing at little. That's my um, my lock screen on my computer. <laughs> I thought you were gonna you were gonna get the like massive orange panorama of him walking into the distance because of your wide nuts. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, I'd still need wide nuts for any of the shots, dude. <laughs> this my compliment to the this the, the Anna de Armas shot is all the same. <laughs> the Anna de Armas shot compliments are quite well though, because you can have Anna de Armas huge hologram on one nut and then tiny Ryan Gosling on the other nut. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, <laughs> for your massively lopsided nuts. Yeah, 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 your yeah. Penny farthing nuts. <laughs> <laughs> You, you fucking asshole with your penny farthing nuts. <laughs> oh, is that a term? Did you make that up? That's such a good insult, dude. Yeah, I did. Penny farthing nuts. That's so good. Because <laughs> well, you talked about one of them being big and one of them being small. I get, I and in get my it. Head, I get I was it. Like, mm, what other it's things? good. And it's yeah, the greatest. It. I feel like that was one of the funniest things I've ever said, and now it's been dissected. <laughs> And it's the greatest gift that uh, best cinematography of the 2010s could have given us. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, um, I'm, I'm very happy that one. Cool. Yeah. So, all right, let's go to best film editing. This was Ooh. a hard category to nominate stuff for. Yeah. Because editing, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's If it's good, you don't notice it. And if it's obtrusive, then it's nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, our, oh, I'm going to have to look up the names of these editors, aren't I? I told you to do it in the, in the poll, and I you said... you forgot about it. <laughs> you said, no, AJ, we'll do it on pod. Editing's also an interesting Oscar where a lot of the films that haven't been represented in other categories get represented in editing. So what does that tell you about editing? It's shit. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> As two people who edit things for their jobs. Now AJ's yeah. got a new job. Oh, yeah. you're not doing the editing I'm now, anymore. I'm now showing people how to edit things. Oh, well, there you go. And they're all, and it's not, you know, I'm not very good at it. So, it, <laughs> because no one's good at editing. That was the joke, right? Or is it just the editing has a glass ceiling <laughs> on how good it can be? There's only so much I can do, man. <laughs> yeah, we need to break through that glass ceiling. They need to just come up with a new form of a fade or a crossfade. <laughs> a star wipe. <laughs> Did you just invent a, that? A star fade. Oh. 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 Uh, all right. So. Okay, so the nominees for best film editing are Whiplash. Uh, which was edited by Tom Cross. Birdman. Uh, Douglas Chris and Stephen Marioni. And for presumably the same reason, 1917. Uh, that was Lee Smith. 
John Wick, the black sheep of the nominations. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Ronalds. Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, that was Margaret Sixel. And Baby Driver. Paul Macklus and Jonathan Amos. I like that John Wick got nominated here because, hell yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it, what a fantastic edit job was done on yeah. that film. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as good as it could have been. As, yeah. as good um, as editing allows. <laughs> they were bumping up against that glass ceiling like nobody's uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, so it's interesting because we've got probably the two showiest edits of the of the decade in Baby Driver and Whiplash, the ones that you can, any any random person, your grandma could watch and be like, oh, that was a well-edited film. Um, and then we've <laughs> your, got the your two... Your grandma, who's fucking sucks at editing. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma's um, still on Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> <laughs> your grandma, Thelma Schoonmaker, Mark Scorsese's editor. Um, I, I love the idea that that grandma is an editor. But it's not yeah. that she doesn't know editing. It's that... <laughs> it's, she is an editor professionally. She's a, she's she's a beginning editor. Um, and then we've got the two films that the... Um, actually, I'm not 100% sure about Birdman, but 1917 was looked over by the Oscars because they couldn't even see the editing because it was it so It was so well seamless. Um, to be fair, everything was shot to be stitched together pretty easily, That's right? the thing, yeah, yeah. Um, and Mad Max Fury Road, I think, is really cool because, um, and I think we talked about this on the episode, that yeah. it's edited so that your that it draws your eye. It's in the action sequences. It'll draw your eye to where the next cut will take off from. So if someone moves from top to part of the screen to the bottom part of the screen and then it cuts, the next shot will begin in the bottom half of the screen and move somewhere else. And it's a really cohesive way to edit action and and it's really mm, effective. Because it it- you're never you're never stuck after a cut being like, oh shit, what like taking that half second to know what's going on. Yeah, because yeah. when it's so quickly cut, you don't have time to miss anything. And so yeah, the film guides your eye in a really beautiful way. Do you think mm. that has a lot to do again with the way it's shot, though? Because, like, presumably I they should have so, yeah. shot it in mind with, like, having that stuff going on. With storyboarding and things, yeah. But that is still editing, I would say. Editing can be pre-editing, right? You you know you're going to edit it this way, so you film it that way. That's true. Yeah. That's but then how much, how much credit should the editor be getting, man? Because that's the thing as well. There's, um, there's an interesting video about None. how, um, <laughs> how a... Um, an animated movie is edited because you you know you you edit an animated movie essentially by making it you only make the shot as long as it needs to be because you know going into you don't want to make excess stuff um and so it's like the editing is essentially like storyboarding falls on, into, into editing as well um mm. in some ways and it depends on the film and the, the relationship between the editor and the filmmaker i guess uh but should we go over the winners and i just john wick what a kinetic film you know yeah. so choppy so good yeah, it's almost a shame no one voted for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, tied for third place, we've got Birdman and Baby Driver. Okay. And mm-hmm. then tied for third, first place, we've got Mad Max Fury Road and Whiplash. Cool. Cool. Makes sense. Um, yeah. I thought you said there were hardly ever ties in the Oscars, Richard. We've had like three or four this the ceremony <laughs> aj i keep telling you no one cares about our podcast <laughs> aj i keep telling you that this isn't the real fucking oscars uh okie dokie so best animated feature mm-hmm. the this, big one 
this <laughs> this was a hard award to to pick a winner for. Well, I yeah, feel especially there are several standouts. The yeah, the Oscars are traditionally so bad at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're getting better though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the nominees for best animated feature are Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, Your Name, It's Such a Beautiful Day, Anomalisa, The Lego Movie, Klaus. Toy Story 3, Inside Out, and Frozen. Fucking hell. That, what a list, man. Yeah. The most de- defining animated yeah. films of the decade. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, Your Name, It's Such a Beautiful Day, and The Lego Movie weren't nominated for Oscars, um, interestingly. A crime. Yeah, a crying shame. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what do we think of all these movies? Um, I want to say, for the record... Because I've seen, been seeing a lot of anti Toy Story four speak lately. I think Toy Story four is better than Toy Story three, uh, but we haven't had enough time for it to prove itself. So Toy Story three makes it in over four, if only because we're taking recency bias into account mm. for it. Uh, but to me, it's between Spider Man into the Spider Verse and Inside Out. Those two. Uh, like and I voted for Spider-Man because if we're talking strictly animated, uh, it's clearly the winner. But Fro- uh, Inside Out's got such a beautiful story, right? Like it's so, such you, you a think beautiful story? <laughs> you think Inside Out's um, probably a better film, but Spider-Man uses the genre that like the uses medium. the thing it's the the main thing it's nominated for better. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Mm. Yeah, this this is one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I mean, it goes to Spider-Man, but um. <laughs> It's such a beautiful day, and your name are like two of my favorite films. Yeah, man, no, absolutely, and like the Lego Movie, the Lego yeah. Movie, like the Sp- Spider Man into the Spider Verse exists probably because of the Lego Movie, you mm. know, and and Klaus is is what what the what Spider Man births in its wake. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, and you, got, you know you got to put Frozen in there because that's one million children's favorite film. <laughs> I think a lot more than a million. <laughs> no specifically like there there's more people who watch it all the time but they probably prefer like aladdin or yeah yeah what are you gonna say um i was just gonna say that it's interesting the like mix of um uh not genres but just like you know you got frozen which is like a straight down the line animated normal movie but then so many of these movies are like deep kind of philosophical meditations on what it is to be like a human being yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're all like animated <laughs> yeah, movies man. yeah 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 yeah, but yeah, like Anomalisa and It's Such a Beautiful Day are not like kids' movies. Yeah. Um, Neither's your name, really. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, your name's aimed at like an, at, at an older audience as well. I'm proud of these nominees, man. This is such a good list of animated yeah. films. I also, like, the thing I love, um, because uh, when, like, sending this list to people to, to get them to vote and to comment on it and stuff like that, they're talking about, someone asked, are we judging it on the quality of the animation? And I said about how... It's because because there's there's quite a lot of uh, variance in the animation styles and the quality of animation, but um, because Spider Man to the Spider Verse and Your Name are probably the two most beautifully animated movies I've ever seen, and Klaus actually. Um, mm. But then, like, it's such a beautiful day is uh, pencil on paper, hand drawn stick figures, but it's so the most appropriate animation for the story and for the way the story is told, and so. And like same with Anomalisa, it's like a um, yeah, it's a claymation, but almost photorealistic. Um, like mm. it's it's not cartoony in any way. Um, and that 
becomes part of the story as well. And I'd actually technically say probably all of these nominations, these nominees qualify for that. It's just something like Inside Out doesn't need to be stop motion animated or or whatever, Mm. you know, like they all are the form of animation that best complements the film, I think. Mm. But at the same time, Inside Out and Frozen could be 2D animated. They could be. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Although, Although I guess like Inside Out especially. And actually, and Frozen, like they they make the most of the three dimensional world, yeah. And like with the the particle physics and because cause like every Disney movie, um, three D animation is like essentially they they create they set themselves a new test, um, to be like let's see if we can get this to work. So like Monsters Inc was was the fur dynamics and um or like Finding Nemo was was underwater kind of effects and the way and the way the lights work brave was mirrored as hair yeah that like rather than fur like trying to get like hair to look um and then frozen yeah is the um the like the particle physics of the snow and like the way they like the the fractals of the snowflakes and things like that and then inside out was actually um using a moving object like um joy the main character as a light source so she she's actually a dynamic light source herself um, and so it's kind of the thing they set themselves nice. in that movie. But yeah. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. And the Oscar goes to? Okay, so, in second place, it's a six-way tie <laughs> between Your Name, It's Such a Beautiful Day, Anomalisa, Klaus, <laughs> Toy Story 3, and Inside Out. And wow. then, in first place, <laughs> with 60% of the votes... It's Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Oh, such a good movie. Of course it is. Of yeah. course it is. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting, though, because Toy Story 3 is the only one of those that made the jump from animated feature to being nominated for Best Picture. But yeah, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse is such, like... It's such an animated movie. Like, mm. you know, mm. it, it's... Yeah, it does the specific thing better, even if... You know, Toy Story three is maybe arguably be arguably a better film, but yeah. In some ways, that's yeah. because it's like an adaptation of a visual medium in and of itself. You mm. know, like I feel like yeah, because it's already like a visual medium that they're adapting. You know, mm. it, a comic, it, it a brings, comic book, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it brings with it that like already like entrenched in it that sense of like you know animation and yeah. like the, the it's the, a comic book come to life which is arguably a better reason to do it as an animated film than like toy story 3 has not that it needs to make an argument for why it's an animated yeah film. it's kind but, of yeah. like uh you know how the first seasons of game of thrones are real good because they're based on like a thousand page novels kind of distilled down into like mm. and then they get mm. like terrible later on because <laughs> they have like no source material yeah. i'd say it's kind yeah. of like that you know like having source material to like increase mm. the richness of your animation basically yeah 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 nice um and okay so now we're into the big acting categories <sighs> yeah. um, uh, so first off we'll go best supporting actress um so our nominees are patricia arquette for boyhood uh hayley steinfeld for true grit scarlett johansson for her um her voice only role um, Naomi Harris for Moonlight and Lupita Nyong'o for 12 Years a Slave. Mm, great performances. Mm. I, I can't remember who I voted for. I think I voted for Naomi Harris and Moonlight. Nice. But they're, they're also, they're also great. 
Um, mm. What do you guys think of these these roles? Um, I, when I saw Boyhood, I was blown away by Patricia Arquette specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, she's, and Ethan Hawke as well. She's the best part well. of the film. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they're able to... She's able to keep one character consistent over 12 years and have it feel like the same person, but also having grown and the fact that it's just these little insights into their life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Not to lean too heavily on the they filmed it over 12 years thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's a fantastic performance. And the scene where she breaks down when she's like, I thought there would be more... Um, was fantastic. Oh. And it's, and it's, it's such a beautiful like portrayal of Empty Nest kind of... Yeah, Aaron, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. And again, not to lean too heavily on the <laughs> they filmed it over 12 years. But you're right, you know, there's a certain extent to which, and this is quite Oscar-y as well, you know, like I think a lot of performances are like voted the best performance because they're like the most hard acted, you know, mm. like if you think of uh, uh, Winston Churchill from mm. 2019 or Gary you know, Oldman, like, yeah. yeah, Gary Oldman, you know, there's that thing about American cinema where they're like, oh man, he's like actually he's like for putting so much of himself into the role that we can kind of like see it so mm. yeah i can kind of see how this would be like the best oscar but also like just as a as an act of like will it's pretty incredible to be able to like pull that off over 12 years well th- that's what i was going to say is that it, it, boyhood is an experiment and just because something is is defined or you know set apart because of the experiment that it is it doesn't mean it's any less deserving of of that specific recognition, you know. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mm. Yeah, it's not just that it's like shot over 12 years. It's also that like the 12 years thing adds to the power of the story that they're Mm. telling as opposed to like, you know, a gimmicky kind of cinematography thing or something like that where you're like, this doesn't feel like it adds to the thing. It just like, you know. It's a thing that kind of clouds the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was about to be like, all right, moving on, but we haven't actually announced too one yet. Um, so, uh, tied for third place, we have Naomi Harris, Moonlight, and Scarlett Johansson, Her. Um, in second place, Lapidi Nyongo, Twelve Years a Slave, and in first place, Patricia Arquette, Boyhood. Whoa. Yeah. Poor, poor Haley Steinfeld. You'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah it's interesting Lupita Nyong'o again uh, we didn't really talk about her but that, that's such a good performance for how little she's in that film yeah that's true I did actually think of voting for her because yeah. I would still remember it yeah because she's in like one scene right yeah I think it's one or two scenes basically yeah yeah, yeah. but it took the world by storm yeah um 
Can All I also right. say quickly, um, having had the experience recently where I like listened to a whole play without seeing the physical action, mm. and I was like, "Man, this is real terrible." And then I like saw the actual play with the physical action and with like the dialogue. I was like, "Man, this is way better." Like the level of work it would take to you know like just be the voice and still be really good. Is, mm. I mean, voice actors do that all the time, obviously, yeah. but you know, like you don't actually have a physical body to embody, like even like. An animated body to embody it so mm. yeah i just wanted to highlight that and how good i think that performance is as well and scarlett johansson yeah her, yeah yeah i thought you're still talking about lupita nyong'o <laughs> <laughs> i was like did you see the movie uh, <laughs> like, she was there i listened to a podcast of it um <laughs> all right uh, so best supporting actor um another another good category um <laughs> They're all good categories. <laughs> um, what would like, win the Oscar for best category? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would certainly be nominated. Um, so, um, so we've got Sylvester Stallone for Creed, uh, John Goodman for Ten Cloverfield Lane, Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, Sam Rockwell Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Adam Driver in Black Klansman, and Mahershala Ali in Moonlight. God, I love Adam Driver so much, you guys. Yeah, I, that's, I need that's why he think. got into this thing, even though probably a bit of recency bias, I think. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I reckons. Yeah, I reckon. Well, as well, I reckon every. I reckon everyone that you suggested was recency bias. Really? It's only like ten who? years. I don't know all the recent ones that you suggested. <laughs> um, give me one example, there, Joe. You can't. I don't See, know. I don't know um, who you suggested. Um, you know. What? Yeah, well, I think I think Adam Driver's good in that, but I think. It's not even his best supporting performance of the decade. Mm. I'd give that What's to probably Last Jedi or Force Awakens. But not Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, he really dropped the ball that year. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think a- Adam Driver's probably one of the best supporting actors of the decade or one of the best like new kind of um, actors of not the decade. Not even supporting. Yeah, just actor. Yeah, but he, he, he kind of... I guess he kind of made his name for himself, like with these amazing supporting roles, and then towards the end of the decade, getting those lead roles. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Sylvester Stallone for Creed—that's probably one of the. I wish that Ed had won the Oscar because he's, he's so good in that movie, mm. and it's like, even though you know it's fun to shit on Sylvester Stallone being shit, but fuck, he's good as Rocky Balboa, and that's that's the last time he's gonna be good enough. To get an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, John Goodman, 10 Cloverfield Lane is... Um, that. That's one of those ones that, similar to something like um, Tony Collette in Hereditary, was like a, a real... I hope this gets nominated for an Oscar, but I know it won't. Mm. Um, and then looking back at the end of the decade, there's still kind of a lot of buzz around that performance and how it should have been recognized, especially because John Goodman's one of those actors that always puts in a great performance, um, but has never been nominated. Um, much like, actually, another actor who I think we've probably snubbed here, um, J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. You, we also snubbed Tony Collette in Hereditary. Yeah, I know. Um, she was on the shortlist, though, to be fair. Oh. But, yeah, I I, I think, um, yeah, we, we just some missed out on uh, J.K. Simmons. Although... I think even though I love that film, I love that performance, I love J.K. Simmons, that it's like, how much is it, you know, that, that it's just such an interesting character. And then like, th- th- there isn't the same kind of like, um, work, I guess, yeah. in a way that it's like, 
you know, yeah, compared to some of these characters, where it's like there's there's a lot more depth to them. Whereas you could you there could be an argument that his character's a bit one note in that movie. As much as I love it, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of comes back to that thing of like, how well do you fulfill the brief? You mm. know, like he did what was required for it, and he made it like you know, like he. He embodied it. And he he made created it. this iconic character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like did did the script call for moments of like, oh, maybe maybe it did, maybe it didn't. You know, mm. like were there were there notes that he missed or things he could have done that would have yeah. made it better. You know. Yeah, it's funny because it's like I 100% would have him on here and I probably would have voted for him, but I'm just trying to justify him not being on there even though I disagree with it. Yeah, I have no idea who's going to win this one. So let's. I'm I'm very interested to see what the results are. In third place. Sylvester Stallone from Creed. Nice. In second place, Mahershala Ali from Moonlight. Ah. And in first place, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master. Yeah. Totally so good. Yeah, because fuck, man, that's like that's probably the best acted film I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's and because he died two years later, I think, um, or even maybe even one year later. Um, and it's he like died in 2014. I think the Masters 2012. 2012, so. yeah, yeah. It's such yeah. a like beautiful, like not final performance, but like that because you look at someone um, like Robin Williams who passed away, and it, and it was like had been a while since his last like great performance. Mm. Whereas like Philip Seymour Hoffman was like got one under the line kind of thing. It was like Robin Williams is a bit like. I, I, I do wonder sometimes how many great performances we would have had had he still been alive. Yeah. Um, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, the world was robbed of like incredible performance after incredible performance. Mm. Nothing nothing, nothing at all against Robin Williams. I fucking love Robin Williams. It's hard to believe Philip Seymour Hoffman's even dead. Yeah. Is that a weird thing to say? Like, it's, it's, it's just strange to think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his performance in that film was just incredible. Um, so good. I feel The Master might be the most um, under-the-radar film we've nominated on this list, just in terms of general film audiences. And if that if that's the case, and you haven't seen The Master, uh, highly recommend going out. Mm. It, it is a bit of a difficult watch, I will mention. It, mm. it, it's, um, it's a character-driven film, not a story-driven film. So there's quite a yes. few times where you're like, why am I here? When does this take place? Um, hmm. But the, it has probably the best acted scene I've ever seen in a film. Agreed. Yeah. Next up, best actress. 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 <laughs> the most actress. Uh, best actress. Okay. Our nominees are. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to say them, AJ? I'll do them. Uh, Brie Larson for Room. Florence Pugh for Midsummer. Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Jennifer Lawrence for Winter's Bone, which I will note was a hard movie for us to whittle down to just being one of them, mm. and Charlie's Theron for Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. I, I probably would have gone Mother over Winter's. Bone. I've actually seen Winter's Bone, so I don't actually. Know. Yeah, Jennifer Maybe Lawrence is one of those ones where uh, there's an argument that she's the best actress of the decade. Yeah. Um, but are any one of her performances better than like, um, you know, mm. um, I, I voted for Francis McDormand, for example. 
Yeah. Um, but it's funny, Jennifer Lawrence, it feels like, it almost feels like we've seen her entire career in the 2010s. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, I mean, she's. it's just been announced that she's doing a film with Adam McKay. Um, and, yeah, it feels like she hasn't done anything in a while. And it's like, I is think she, she gonna... did walk away for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like we've seen, like, almost, it's not been like a fall. It's just been kind of like a staying out of the limelight, almost yeah. like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of thing. That it's like it'll pop out in every now and then, I'm sure. But um, we've, it feels like we've seen her her golden the, era, the beginning and the end. Yeah, I saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt tweet something about hit record the other day, and someone replied to him and said, "For the love of God, I am begging you, please return to acting. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing this hit record shit, and please return to acting." <laughs> Um, let's go. What do we think? One thing I will say yep. uh, before we talk about the the the, the best of the best, um, it feels weird that Meryl Streep is not in this category. Interesting. Um, yeah, good point. Like, I mean, she only had one win this year, this decade, this decade with, um, for Iron Lady. Iron Lady, yeah. Um, but you know, like, she still feels like she should have. She, she's still ever present. You yeah. know what I mean? What do you think was her best performance of the decade? Ooh, <sighs> ooh. Put your money where you put your mirror uh, where your mouth is. That's interesting. Actually, I haven't seen uh the TV series that she's in. Oh yeah, the Big um, Little Lies. Yeah, Big, Big Little, Lies, Little yeah. Lies. Um, but I would actually say uh. August Osage County, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, because she just, like, she has so much range in that movie, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, she's very good in Little Woman as well, to be fair. She's I would, great I would, nom- I would nominate her for Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, where <laughs> she opted to not be in the film because it was more interesting for the screenplay. And let me tell you, it was not more interesting <laughs> for the screenplay to not have best actress in the world, Meryl Streep, in the film. Um, yeah. But by a similar token, and a, a spoiler for what's up ahead, we haven't nominated Tom Hanks for Best Actor, and he's the male Meryl Streep, you know. So. <laughs> male Streep. <laughs> male Streep. Maelstrom. Um, um, who, who, who is this going to go to? Who did you vote for, you guys? Um, so, I, I, I think Brie Larson in Room is, like, one of the all-time great performances. Um, but... Francis McDormand is like a fucking tour de force in that film yeah. in Three Billboards. God, Florence Pugh is going to have such a good 2020s, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we do the Oscars of the 2020s in 10 years' time, we're going to be talking about it. She's going to have so many nominations. This is, this is, she's got, ah, oh, she's got such a promising career ahead of her. Mm, I feel like you've just jinxed mm. it. Aaron, what do you reckon? Yeah, same thing. I've got to say, Francis McDormand. Holy shit. Yeah. Such a good performance. Um, Imagine being jinxed by a podcast no one listens to from. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a big enough platform to be jinxed by. <laughs> uh, okay, so in third place, we've got Jennifer Lawrence, Winter's Bone. In second place, Brie Larson, Room. And in first place, Francis McDormand, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a good performance. It is. <laughs> yeah. As a quick side note, um, yeah. I once met the guy who cast um, Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone. Oh, really? Yeah, hundred percent. I did a, like a acting workshop with him. He came over from the states. He's a real cool dude. Um, he casted like a whole lot of independent um, films and stuff. Like yeah. uh, one, but of the he real... goes on about the one that he's always going on about how he knows <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever, man. You casted her when she was young. All right, let's move on to best actor. Okay. I want Aaron to read the nominations. 
I'll read the nominations. nominations. Let me swing round my microphone. <laughs> well, Richard brings it up. All right. All the ones in yellow. Yellow. Um, in old yellow. Old Yeller is nominated for best performance by a dog. Um, All right, first up, we've got Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. Um, We've got Joaquin Phoenix for The Master, Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Kang Ho Song for Parasite, and Leonardo DiCaprio for Wolf of Wall Street. But not The Revenant. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. Um, all right, like Joaquin Phoenix and the Master is it you you don't I didn't know acting could be that good. And I yeah. watched And that I've film. seen Aaron Act. And I've seen Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I've seen him. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis like, not I, nominated. Yeah. I, I, I watched The Master for the first time when we were flatting together, Richard. You had it on Blu-ray. Um and the nerd writer released a video essay about it. And I was like, I want to watch this, but I haven't actually seen the film. So it was like probably twenty sixteen. I just chucked the Blu-ray in and watched The Master, not knowing anything about it. And it's it was such a wonderful way to experience it. Yeah, I remember you film. coming I didn't know where you were. I thought I thought you just weren't at home. And then you came into the lounge at like one AM um i was completely naked and then no this isn't true um um yeah i was just like chilling in the lounge and you came out and were like oh, i just watched the master and i was like oh yeah it's real good and you're like yeah it's pretty good no i didn't <laughs> i specifically said i remember what i said to you i said i feel like that was the best movie ever and you said seriously and i was like yeah man like i was so i was so uh, disarmed by yeah. how good it was that I it's funny like... the movies that we say are the best ones we've ever seen i remember when you came home from hacksaw ridge you said that that was might be the best movie you've ever seen yeah you, that was recency bias you yeah. really said that about hacksaw ridge i love hacksaw ridge, ridge is a good film it's a good film <laughs> look man it's two hours of the trailer it's the best film i've ever seen <laughs> it is the best movie i've ever seen um <laughs> yeah i love hacksaw ridge man it's recency um, bias guys <laughs> yeah um i do think that maybe Kang Ho Song is um a bit of recency bias. Yeah. <laughs> bit of recency bias. It's one of those films that, like, the thing about Parasite, and a lot of people were like, it's, um you know, it's got locked out of the acting nominations, but it won the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Ensemble. That it's like, it actually, every single person in that cast is incredible, but no, it doesn't, it means that no one actor stands out above the rest. Mm. But yeah, also, um, I Leonardo DiCaprio was a late addition to this list by me, um, famous <gasps> anti-Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, I think, is his best performance. Um, and I agree. I pro- potentially maybe on par with his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, however, I did not think he deserved his Oscar for The Revenant because he's not even the best actor in The Revenant. Which is what I say every time it's brought up. Tom Hardy was much better in that film. <laughs> is Adam Driver for Marriage Story a bit of recency bias? Um, yeah. That's one of those ones that I think will t- time will tell. I think it's a bit of um, AJ Adam Driver bias. <laughs> it, he's so good in Marriage Story, though. Yeah. Did you ever finish it, Aaron? <laughs> no, I still haven't finished it. <laughs> uh, I've seen the scene, though. Yeah. Okay. That's important. Yeah, and... Um, Timothy Chalamet and Call Me By Your Name. One of my favorite performances of the decade. So good. But let's see. Oh, and actually, Jake Gyllenhaal from Nightcrawler. That was the best performance that year. And he was locked out of the Oscars. Who won that year? 
that was Eddie Redmayne. Michael Keaton. Ah. Uh, um, Eddie Redmayne was actually real fucking good at that movie. Yeah. Um, not good, but not good enough to be nominated for Best Actor of the Day. Yeah. Sorry, Eddie. Sorry, sorry Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, tied for second place, um, we've got the recent Adam Driver in Marriage Story <laughs> and Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. Wow. However, in first place, uh, we've got the current holder of the Best Actor Oscar trophy, Joaquin Phoenix, for his oh. performance in The Master. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Yeah. He deserves he deserves our meaningless award. Who did he lose out to that year? Twenty twelve. Was he nominated that year? Uh, he was. He was, yeah. He was. Twenty twelve. Oh, maybe that was the year of um the King's Speech? No. No, that was twenty ten. That was uh, the year of the artist. Um ah. the actor that year went to, yeah, um Jean de Jardin for the artist. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting one actually. I did think about the artist not being nominated um, when I looked actually, at that. That is a... Tell you what, I was wrong there. Um, <laughs> and actually, that was the Oscars that took place in 2012 for 2011. Uh, um, that year, that was the year that Argo won Best Picture and Daniel Day-Lewis won for Lincoln. Right. Oh, well, it's it's Day-Lewis. It's Lincoln. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the, so just to, to hop on that point about the artist, Aaron... I, I, I think you couldn't get a more forgettable film of the decade. That that, that that film has had no staying power for the past 10 years, I reckon. That's interesting, actually, because I do think about that film like a little bit uh, over the past decade. And I think you're potentially right in the sense <laughs> of like the average person, <laughs> you know, probably hasn't thought about the artist. Mm. But I think it is a very, A, a very Oscar-y movie because yeah. it's like, you know, one of those things that's like about Hollywood. So if like you want an example of Hollywood loving films about Hollywood, that's yeah. probably it. But I also think that it's a real good film. <laughs> There's such like a, just a build up to like and and, and you know what it's, it's not that film. bad <laughs> i just i think it's it lives up to the hype i just think it's like yeah it's maybe forgotten do you know what i've never to, seen it really yeah 2011 wasn't a very good year either though so uh yeah i i, I do somewhat agree yeah 2011 seems like the the last year that i wasn't really interested in the oscars <laughs> Interesting. Um, you mean 2012? 2011 for the artist. Ah. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The, Oscar, the ceremony took place in 2012. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I feel like I did have one more thing to say, but I can't remember what it was. So let's move the fuck on <laughs> to Best, Best Director. Director. Hi, hey. Okay, so our nominees for this are Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu for Birdman. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Denis Villeneuve for Arrival, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, and Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Man, okay. Whatever wins, Denis Villeneuve is the director of the decade. Yeah, 100%. That dude has had such an incredible run. So, so let's uh, his his the films he made in the in the last decade were Incendies, Enemy, Prisoners, Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Sicario, and 
that's it. <laughs> um, incredible, incredible, yeah. so good. You'd have to think that Alejandro is almost there as well, though, right? I mean, he yeah. won for Birdman as well as The Revenant. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he also won a um, special achievement Oscar, which was like the first time it had been given out in like twenty years for his um, work with um, uh, in virtual reality. Whoa! Yeah. I think I think I think you could also say it's the same thing for Nolan, just because Nolan's like the mainstream version of those two directors yeah I yeah think. yeah yeah um and with because because this decade he had um inception um dark knight rises, dark knight rises. interstellar dunkirk. dunkirk yeah fucking hell like i i agree with you aaron but i think i think i i, I go to villeneuve for of the decade just because his films are like bigger than Alejandro Gonzalez and Uritus. And like, he did more as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, also yeah. it's not it's worth pointing out as well that Scorsese in this decade had um Hugo, which was the most nominated film that year. Um yeah, The Irishman, Silence, Wolf of Wall Street. Um But I, I, I like to think we're nominating Scorsese specifically for the Irishman because that's such a director driven film. Mm, yeah. Yeah, mm. sure. But yeah, and also like yeah, like I mentioned before, um Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele um, were able to elevate these kind of like, in, in lesser hands would be either, you know, just a forgettable kind of nice slice of life movie that you'd give three and a half stars and tell your friends, oh yeah, it's not that bad, you might as well watch it. Um, and a schlocky B-movie horror. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say about those two as well, Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele, but also include Bong Joon-ho in introducing the world to a type of movie that we don't always see and getting Oscar love and... And that's really cool. And, and Parasite with Bong Joon-ho is like, I felt so safe in the hands of him as a director. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I trusted him that he was going to, and I knew nothing about him watching it, but like, trusted that he was, he knew what he was doing with the story and is taking you through the story, like, and crafting it expertly. So, mm. damn. So good. Damn. <laughs> so good. Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Eh. <laughs> um, actually, Damien Chazelle, I want to put forward as one of the best um, directors of the decade as well. That uh, Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man. Um, I mean, because when, when we, we months ago when we first started talking about this, um, our, our very first shortlist had Damien Chazelle for both La La Land and Whiplash. And AJ, you were like, "Oh, we we shouldn't have him for two And I was like, "I mean, I would." I, you know, there's an argument to be made that those are the two best directed films of the decade. They just happen to be the, the same person. Yeah. But anyway, I know I know AJ's a, a reverse apologist for La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so tied for third place. Alejandro Inaritu for Birdman. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Huh. Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Ha! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then tied for first place. Bong Joon Ho, direct uh Parasite. And mm-hmm. Denis Villeneuve arrival. Fuck. Interesting. So glad. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. The Denis Agreed. Villeneuve Agreed. one feels it feels a bit like wanting to give him like the legacy award and we just happen to you know, almost arbitrarily pick a rival as the film that he's nominated for. Yeah. yeah but it's yeah, like, but, because that was the one, that was his Oscar-y film that was nominated for Best Picture and, you know. Mm. While, while Parasite is the best directed film of the decade, you know? So it's, it's yeah, best, yeah, it almost is most like. number of hits with best single directed. Yeah. Mm. That worked out quite nicely. But now 
We're moving on to best picture. And I am very proud because I think, if I do say so myself, that these nominees that we collated, that we got from people suggesting and that we put together ourselves, I think I'm confident that these... These are the one, two, three, four, eleven best films, most defining films of the decade. Um, I think they are. I think every time these movies came out, everyone was talking about these movies. Mm, You know, every time they came out, (laughs) every 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 one of them that came out, everyone was talking about these movies. And in order of the year they came out, shall we do all this together? We'll go one at a time each. All right. So the first nominee is The Social Network, twenty ten. Then Inception, twenty ten. Then we've got uh, Her, two thousand and thirteen. Whiplash, twenty fourteen. Mad Max Fury Road, 2015. Moonlight, 2016. Dunkirk, 2017. Blade Runner, 2049. (laughs) (laughs) 2017. 2017. Get Out, 2017. Black Panther, 2018. And Parasite, 2019. Though, that's that's the decade, man. Those fucking films. Yeah, it's I do. I, it's quite interesting though that there's nothing from 2011 or 12, which we kind of <laughs> both just we all just talked about how they were kind of forgettable years for films. Yeah, because mm. I mean, yeah, when you when you look back at the decades winners for Best Picture, um, like Green Book is like, oh fuck you, but like The Artist and Argo are like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see. I will. I'll get on board with Argo. That was a very whatever. Um, yeah. Also, just quickly, is it sort of interesting that like 2010, 2000, 2011, 2012, King's Speech, it look, kind of looked like Tom Hooper would be one of the like directors of the decade yeah, and he yeah. finished the decade with Cats? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Totally. Um, so he, what, did, what did he follow up? Because, um, oh yeah, he, he, he did, did that, um, King's Speech and then did Les Mis and it was like, this guy's on fire. Yeah. And then he did like The Danish Girl. Yeah. And then he did cats and it's like oh god what a fucking what a like measurable decline (laughs) starting the decade with an oscar for best picture there's actually like you could it's a straight line from like 10 out of 10 king speech to zero out of 10 cats and all those films just fall on that and yet to be honest at the moment cats is probably a more iconic film (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, absolutely yeah absolutely um i think that I'm getting a little bit emotional looking at this list. I'm feeling so nostalgic. I remember where I was when I saw each of these. I remember the the electricity in the air surrounding conversation of these films. And I think, in a way that's actually quite beautifully symmetrical, I think it's between three three of these. I reckon it's either The Social Network, which came out in 2010, Mad Max Fury Road, which came out in 2015, or Parasite, which came out in 2019, which is kind of a cool beautiful Mm. one at the start one in the middle and one at the end is this real symmetrical to me at least and i feel like to the rest of the world those are the three films that defined the decade the Mm. most um also it's worth noting that we let people pick multiple ones to vote for as well so that this is hopefully going to pick um the film that's in the most people's top three or four kind Mm. of thing uh aaron what do you reckon of these nominees Oh, probably going to go with Parasite. I've actually never seen Parasite, but uh, and there might just be a recency bias thing, but yeah. it does sort of sound like it's the most 
2010 Z. So, yeah. so you're you're betting what's going to win based on what you think of the people who voted, and not for what you think is the best. <laughs> that's a good way to do it. I mean, that's what we do with the Oscars. It's like, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, Green Book's going to win, obviously, because yeah, fucking... and and just like with the Oscars, not all of these judges have watched all the films that we're voting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. I mean. Have you seen all these films, Richard, that we've talked about today? Uh, multiple times. Really? Because there have been a couple that I'll admit I haven't actually seen. Oh, really? What? So, okay, let's go through. Social Network, has everyone seen that? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I've seen all the Best Picture nominees. Oh, okay. Nominees, oh, but... gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I've seen every single film we've talked about. What do you think, Richard? Well, I think I think Mad Max Fury Road, rightly so, is at the top of a lot of conversations about best films of the decade. Moonlight is so much more than the Oscar controversy. Um, it's actually such a good movie. Whiplash is such a distinct feeling. I remember seeing that in the cinema being like, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I hadn't had that feeling in a while and I didn't, and I was worried I would never have it again. You know, that there, there are certain movies you watch and you're like, oh yeah, this is real good. Even, you know, this is incredible, but ones that speak to you so personally for whatever reason, um, that it elevates that to like an, an, an instant kind of reaction the love at first sight essentially um is mm-hmm. what i'm describing but um yeah and i got it a lot in high school when i was like getting into film and um i've only had it like once or twice since whiplash but that was the one i remember sitting in the cinema thinking that it sounds like you're talking about an orgasm yeah i am <laughs> like I had I had it once. I thought I wouldn't have it again. And is that how way, orgasms way. are for you, AJ? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like in in like sitcoms. We well, shut up and pick tons. <laughs> I just you know, haven't like had it in a while. <laughs> there's, al- there's always scenes. There's always scenes in sitcoms where like female characters are admitting that they. I don't want to talk about this. All right, they it's busted a nut. What was it? Sixteen. Busted a penny farthing nut. Um, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Busting a penny farthing nut. You just justified me keeping that clip in instead of editing it out. <laughs> you can edit out the penny farthing bit. Oh, we edit no, out just your bit. that 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 little bit there. Well, we can edit this part out. But um, okay, it's, it's recency so, bias. Um, it's interesting because so there's uh one, two, three, four, five films that are like tied, um, and then a few below that. But there's a very clear like one, two, three, which is cool. Um. So no ties here that I'm going to be talking about. So in third place, Moonlight. Oh shit! Mm. In second place, Mad Max Fury Road. What? No! And then in first place, Black the, Panther. <laughs> the cult pop show pick for best film of the 2010s is Drumroll, please. Whiplash. No way, really? Yeah. Whiplash. Are you uh, serious? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> what? Not even close. Not even close for me. Holy That's shit. The, what, what a, I feel so. What I feel heck? like the wind. The wind has been taken out of. I my knew it would happen to you as well. I'm quite happy with that. I mean, like, yeah, Whiplash. It's my favorite. No probably my favorite film of the is- Holy uh, shit! Really? Yeah. But like, like we said, this is the film that is in the most people's top couple of films. Yeah. I wouldn't have even nominated it. You just insisted. But what do I know? That's incredible. This yeah. is just like the real Oscars. You think yeah. it's going to be something, and then suddenly it's a 
fucking disappointment. <laughs> no, it I'm is just like the real Oscars. It is. Oh, it couldn't have ended in a better place. Yeah, I was yeah. so sure it was going to be Mad Max. I would have bet money on it being <laughs> Mad Max, even just because everyone's kind of in on the narrative of it being Mad Max, you know? Not like, everyone. Uh, no. Not everyone. <laughs> not the whiplash camp. Yeah. Not Mr. Richard, Richard, Richard voted actually, 10 times Martin. Yeah, 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 exactly. The guy who, the guy who made the poll. Hmm, his favourite film won? How interesting. Yeah. The only person with the, with the results in front of them. <laughs> the only admin on the voting. Um, no, Aaron, you can confirm um, uh, for us all that looking at this. Yeah, I can't actually see it. I'm going to swivel my thing no, around. No, no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, hold on. Oh, let, me, let me swivel. Uh, I'm going to swivel. I'm swiveling. And holy shit, it is. And it's like a wee way. I mean, those two are a wee way out in front, but well, it's really a lot more it, out in front. It's very close between Whiplash and Fury Road, to be fair. I need, yeah. I need to watch Whiplash again. That I bet it was fucking Rowan voted for Whiplash over Mad Max, and that's what... Yeah, that's right. I'm outing our academy. One of them's There was one Jesus other guy. Um, I mean, AJ, this was a, uh, a democratic process. This is devastating. You know what? I'll say it. Fuck Whiplash. No, I'm just <laughs> I, I barely remember Whiplash. I should go and rewatch it uh, right now because yeah. apparently well, the, the my own uh, my own company has voted it the best. Now, the best now you know ticket. how I feel scrolling through our Twitter feed and being like, I don't agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us on our Oscar season. Uh, we've enjoyed doing it and See you, you know, in ten pod- years. The podcast isn't going away, so we're still we've, we've still got more episodes coming out. Tune in next week for the Roger Moore James Bond episodes. Um, and yeah, thank you for coming on the show, Aaron. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure as always. Yeah. Um, and if you like Top Popshire, then then please uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, on Acast, on um, Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate and review, five stars, please, or just don't bother. Um, Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Join our Discord, of which the link to which is in the which of the the show notes, along with links to all this stuff. And, of course, stick around after this outro music for a cheeky post-credits scene. Um, but yeah, beyond that, hey, there you go. Yeah, and let us know what you thought of our results. Um, yeah, or if there's any um, anyone you think should have won, or anyone that um, you know we completely left off altogether. Yeah, yeah, man. You know that big speech I did about how all these movies were such tentpole releases in my life. Yeah. Whiplash wasn't at all. <laughs> I saw Whiplash on like a free afternoon I had because my friends were going and I was like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. Oh, You're going to tweet we'll about this, you. aren't you? And I'm going to be like, oh, here we go. Uh, no, I can't agree with this. Out. Whiplash sucks. <laughs> then I'm stuck with that as my fucking opinion <laughs> to the public. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Sweet. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the post credit scene for this episode of the Cult Popshire podcast, whatever it may be. I've lost track. I think it's a still an Oscars one. I think it's our Oscars. Yeah, if this, was, Oscars if this past episode. Yeah, Oscars of the 2010s. If not, I'll cut this this part out. If this if this um, last episode was our Oscars of the 2010s, make some noise. Ye- Not you. That I was leaving. I was leaving them room to make some noise. Um. Hmm. So yeah, Richard, what is this segment? Why do we do this? Uh, all right. So this is part of our. Uh, the segment's brought to you by Patreon. Um, which uh, for our fans, our patrons who pledge uh, $5 or more a month, they get to suggest, um, just essentially give us something to talk about in a little cheeky yeah. post-credit scene, yeah. which you're listening to now. And if, you, and if you want to be part of that, then you can, of course, donate at www.coldpopsha.com. No, www.patreon.com slash coldpopsha. Uh, and today's question, this week's question comes from Nadeshta who's been on the show before how good's that we just squeeze money out of anyone on this show uh and she asks uh what's a movie that everyone has told you you must see that you haven't seen and probably won't see or won't go out of your way to see and why uh now we're gonna have very different answers for this um because i know you probably have a massive list and I, i probably provide a massive list of movies that i've told you you need to watch that i know you're never going to see parasite was actually uh the top of the list for a while <laughs> um but i mean mm. i guess that proves that you i do I, I would like to challenge um, i would like to challenge your assumption that i'll never see them i think i will see them one day um yeah i mean i i i don't um i don't have any movies that i i will never get around to seeing or will never go out of my way of, to, of seeing that people have told me i must check out like i i don't go oh okay yeah all right i'm gonna check out because i i'm i'm a firm believer of you have to see a movie to have an opinion on it or like to be able to i mean there's lots of movies i haven't seen that mm. i have strong opinions on but um <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say are you you haven't seen um uh the greatest showman have you i have seen the greatest showman i went out of you my have. way to watch the greatest oh. showman so that i could have an informed opinion on mind. it um wow yeah and um I? I was talking to what someone at work here? the other day um who was talking about how first man wasn't as good as la la land or whiplash and i i I agree with that statement but they were like oh it was shit like i didn't even stay for the whole thing like i i I left after like an hour and i was like well then you don't have an opinion on it um because not only is the best part of that film the moon landing sequence um that yeah but yeah i was like you you don't you don't get to join this discussion because you haven't seen the movie um yeah uh what about you paddleton uh no no well i think i'll see paddleton one day i but what i have got to the what's got to the point in my kind of personal canon that feels like i can never see at this point is pacific rim and i've talked about this before my exposure to pacific rim was i didn't think the trailer looked very good and was shocked to see some people thought it looked very good um i like guillermo del toro enough you know to to not want to write off any of his films but i have i've heard so many good things about pacific rim and i've heard so many bad things about pacific rim that it just and you've heard some middle things from me yeah you're the you're the the lone the lone middler (laughs) (laughs) um and I just think it's funnier if I don't see it now. If my perceptions of it are, remain a mystery, like a like a MacGuffin, it's my MacGuffin. Mm. It's yeah, my, I, I what's, I what's genuinely... it like a white whale that you're not even after? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of movies that I've never seen that I want to see one day, but I just haven't had a chance to go out of my way to see them. Um, Jaws was yeah. one of them for, for the longest time. The Godfather 2, mm. we almost mm. <laughs> fucking going to watch, but then we decided to do James Bond instead. Um, Beetlejuice is my other big one. Um, yeah, and I really want to see Beetlejuice. Um, but I haven't seen... Yeah, like, I, I, I'm not avoiding these movies. I've just like... No. You know. Um, but, yeah, I, I genuinely... If someone tells me I need to watch a movie, I will... My time isn't valuable enough to not just not spend it watching movies. <laughs> you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.